Hey, welcome to 5 Minutes. We're jumping right back into Judges chapter 16. This is where we've been in our Bible reading plan for this week. We're looking at Samson and Delilah. For those who have been brought up in a church, you remember that story. Uh, when you are in Sunday school as a kid, except they didn't tell you the whole story. They kept it kind of a G-rated version of it. But uh, we did learn about Samson and Delilah. Here's the thing. Samson is, is a judge that God had set forward uh, to deliver the people of Israel out from underneath the oppression of the Philistine people. And so Samson's the judge, and he is delivering the people. Uh, he's going out, and pretty, almost almost every time you see Samson going out, it's just him. But he's destroying the Philistine oppression over uh, the Israelites. And so they walk up to Delilah because Samson has fallen in love with yet another woman. <laughs> yes, he has. And they walk up to her and say, so we will give you 1,100 pieces of silver each if you will find out uh, Samson's weakness and then tell us what that is so that we can get rid of him. So when you think of 1,100 pieces of silver, that doesn't really make sense to us in America because we don't usually, we don't live in the world of silver. Uh, 1,100 pieces sounds like a lot, but when you multiply it, it's 1,100 pieces per liter, and there were five liters. So you take 5,500 pieces of silver, you go, okay, I'm not sure if I still get that. So here in Judges chapter 17, verse 10, uh, you have a guy named Micah who offers to pay his household, his, his household priest, 10 pieces of silver a year plus room and board. So that's... Just picture the amount that Delilah gets. It's over 500 years worth of wages. This is an incredible opportunity for her. It's a financial gain, and she absolutely takes it. And so she starts having conversations, and there's four that are recorded, but I know that she kept asking over and over and over, and you'll see why. The first few times, uh, Samson would just give this fake answer. Uh, she would have Philistine army, uh, Philistine army members in her home in a hidden chamber, and then she would say, hey, the Philistines are here, and they're, they come in to attack him, and then he breaks apart and goes after him. Weren't true. The last time, it says in verse 16, and she pressed him hard with her words day by day and urged him. His soul was vexed to death. So she just kept pressing. Why don't you? Why don't you tell me? I thought you loved me. Over and over, to a, it bugged him so badly that he just told her all his heart, according to verse 17. So she tells the guy, you got to come in and shave his head. Verse 19, though, stood out to me this morning. She made him sleep on her knees, and she called a man and had him shave off the seven locks of his head. Then she began to torment him, and his strength left him. She made him fall asleep. So just picture, she's sitting there, and he's got his head on her lap, and she's just soothing him to sleep. And then comes in a, and a person comes in, a man comes in to shave his head, and she's making sure he stays asleep. And all the while, I wrote, this in my, I wrote this in my notes, Samson unknowingly laid his head into the lap of his tormentor and betrayer. The one whom he thought loved him and was for his good was actually his tormentor and betrayer. Here's the thing. I prayed that morning, God, I struggle with insecurity and I feel like I've grown a lot, but I want to continue to be free from this because insecurity just plagues you. Here's, as, I, as I prayed that, I said, God, but please don't let me read into this passage. I pray you would speak to me from this passage. See, encouragement is so important. It helps me. It's, 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 uh, it's encouraging. That's why everyone enjoys words of encouragement. There's a spiritual gift of encouragement that God gives to people. Certain people have that spiritual gift. It's so important. But here's the thing. Encouragement is supposed to stay in the world of encouragement and never move into the world of affirmation. You see, like, why aren't those synonymous? They could be. But if I need encouragement to affirm me as a human, as a pastor, as a leader, if I need the affirmation, so I'm not really doing a good job in any of those realms or in any of those roles, unless somebody encourages me or affirms me, then is that not stroking my insecurities? Instead of listening to what it is that God says about me. 
So I wrote this question down for myself. How often do I lay my head down in the lap of my tormentor, becoming victim once again to my insecurities rather than living in the freedom of who Jesus says that I am? Who would be my tormentor? Friends, for those that have encouraged me over the years, please continue. I love it. But I want to keep the encouragement in the folder called encouragement. Um, people have spoken words of encouragement in my life, or they've just spoken things that they feel like God has said. And it's confirmed a lot of things over the years of what I've been praying through. But when encouragement moves into the affirmation role or into the folder of affirmation, where finally I'm affirmed as a human, finally I'm affirmed in the role that God's given me or the responsibilities that, that he's given me, rather than just accepting and knowing who I am because of what Jesus says, that's like me putting my head down in the lap of encouragement, which could be what's used in my insecurities to affirm me rather than just listening to what Jesus says about me. So I wrote these questions. What do you struggle with? Are you honest with God about it? And the last thing, just do this. Start to live a life of confession and move forward in obedience. Tell God, this is what I struggle with. And then go forward with what he says. 